Hello and welcome to the Seacast. For today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the recently released John Wick film, John Wick Chapter 4. And before that, we'll give a little short recap on John Wick Chapter 3. As our last episode, we only covered the first two films. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4 is directed by Chad Stelesky. I'm definitely butchering that. Apologies. Tyler Bates and Joel J. Richard did the score. Writers... Shay Hatton, Michael Finch, and Derek Kolstad. Starring Keanu Reeves, Ian McShay, Bill Skarsgård, Lawrence Fishburne, Donnie Yen, and of course the late, great Lance Riddick just recently passed away. May he rest in peace. Phenomenal actor. Didn't get to see him a lot in this film, but he was awesome throughout this whole franchise. Um, and he will definitely be missed. This film has a runtime of two hours and 49 minutes. Before we get into the synopsis of this film, I'm going to come to each of you. And we are once again blessed to have our special guest, Quinn, joining us here for today's episode. Quinn, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to come to you first. Um, Quick recap on the third John Wick film. What did you think about it? Um, Give us your quick just highlights of it. Uh, I think the biggest highlight about this one is that it has 100% more Halle Berry than one or two which is great and never anything wrong with that (laughs) something that they is like a very clear pattern in the third one is that every and it also continues in chapter four is that every john wick movie we get a new dog which i think is really fun (laughs) (laughs) so you have halle berry and her incredible belgian malinois uh stunt dogs and um yeah this movie is like very much continues in the pattern i would say like in my opinion it's probably the weakest of the four thus far um but still a very good time still john wick globe trotting trying to outsmart and escape the high table and work his way back out of the world that he has the hole he has dug himself back into um the still the push and pull between you know, is this his destiny to be this world-class assassin or is it something that, or is he, is he more than that? And uh, yeah, that would be my short reca- and sloppy recap of John Wick Parabellum. Awesome. All right, Melissa, I'll come to you. Um, I don't think that was sloppy at all. I thought that was very well said. Um, <laughs> right, at the end of John Wick 3, we basically find him having defied the high table um, killed a bunch of people. The high table has sent a myriad of assassins against him, and he's trying, like Quinn said, to kind of climb out of this and get out of the game, which nobody seems to want him to be able to get out of at all. Um, he like loses a finger at the very end, um, and is like shot off of a building, um, even though. What he like has also teamed up with, you know, the Bowery King and with, um, uh, what's his name? Winston. Thank you. And with Winston, like against the high table. Um, so yeah, he's definitely found himself in yet another predicament. But I also agree. I think that out of the four chapters so far, I do think that the third one is the weakest. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why. I think like the story's great. He's moving more so around the world. But um, in terms of, I don't know, plot, if you will, it's not as compelling. Um, however, I will say, I remember seeing this movie in theaters and 
it had some of the absolute best fighting scenes and like choreography I have ever seen. I felt like each fight was completely different. Um, and yes, absolutely. Like fighting alongside Halle Berry with her dogs and the guns. And when they were going through the museum and there were knives everywhere and just everyone kind of using everything around them as weapons. Um, I mean, the, the so many of the scenes went on for so long and you were just like hanging onto the edge of your seat because you didn't know if he was going to get out of it, even though you knew he was. Um, but yeah, I, I, so still some of the best, uh, action like fighting scenes i have ever seen was uh in john wick 3 absolutely and anthony i gave you plenty of time here man i know you didn't want to do the recap we were just gonna force anthony to do the recap on his own but then you know it's like you know might as well not put him on the spot here but i'm putting no, you on no, the spot now the i'm throwing you under the bus yes i had to do it all right all right what is uh why don't you give us your quick recap of uh, john wick chapter three that's uh yeah it's totally fair um my quick recap and I guess I watched all these movies for the first time not too long ago. And so I watched this very quickly in succession after the first uh, two movies. And I think the thing that excited me the most about chapter three was that we got to see John face the consequences of his actions. Um, I guess for me, it was kind of a question of at the end of, of chapter two was now that he's actually violated these rules, like, is he going to get away with it because he's John Wick? Or is he actually going to have some consequences? And very clearly, no, he, people were going to come after him very, very hard. Um, so for me, it was really exciting to kind of see there not be some, you know, allowance because he's John Wick. The story was really like, no, you f- kind of have to figure out how to how to get out of this. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, I want to plus one to what Melissa said about all the different fights. Uh, I like the like the first scene right before his time runs out. Uh, when that assassin is trying to kill him and he kills this man with a book and just like <laughs> is wailing on him. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it, it seems like every movie there's a scene where he uses a singular object to just annihilate someone. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, very soon after he's, you know, there's guns on the ground, but he continues to pick up knives and throws them at people. And then the very end of the scene, he takes an ax and throws it at the guy. Like it's just, it's ridiculous in all the ways that you want a John Wick movie to be. So I, I enjoyed it very much. He wants to use the pencil. <laughs> Fifteen men in a bar. <laughs> I'm about to say, I just need to see the, the clip where John Wick kills a guy with like a leaf or something or a piece of paper. Like yeah. that, I just need to see the most extreme way or like, you know, well, a drop of water or something. With the, with the playing card in chapter yeah, four. Yeah, chapter like four, the, the playing kill, yeah. card, he like cuts his jugular. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't die immediately, but he, he went there. Really, it's all just <laughs> evidence that they write these movies like fight sequences first and plot second. They're like, whoa, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, Alex, yeah. what's your take? You can't awesome. get away from it. So, <laughs> so I enjoyed chapter three. I, I definitely felt that, yeah, this is where they highlighted the most action it felt to me in this film. Um, Holly Berry, great addition. I love how they carried over the marker from the second film to the third film, right? And Because you weren't sure. Like, okay, John Wick had one on him. Did he have one on someone else? And he did. And so I thought that was um, a great way to kind of tie in the story and kind of keep that going. It would impress me the most, and again, having the privilege to work at a firm where we rep him for both the third movie and the fourth movie, Keanu Reeves does all the stunts. 
So where he's driving, when he's falling off a building, when he's fighting, when he's falling downstairs. My God, that's all him. And so to me, that is the most impressive feat. And seeing all those fights, you can tell at the end, you know, he's fighting in that mirror room where it, 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 he could literally see he's tired because who knows how long he's been going over and doing that choreography. Um, so to me, I, I really was a fan of that and just big shout out to Keanu for being able to do all his own stunts. So that's my, that's my quick take on, uh, the third movie. And as we move forward here, going on to the fourth quick synopsis, uh, condemned by the tyrannical high table to be on the run for the rest of his life. The deadly assassin, John Wick embarks on a mission of suicidal fury to decide his fate after the merciless carnage in John Wick chapter three. Parabellum. At last, John's violent journey fueled by vengeance and grief ultimately leads him to a fateful confrontation with his former employers, the crime masters that forced him to exile. And as the blood-stained vendetta to destroy those who pulled the strings continues, old companion faced the brutal consequences of friendship and all-powerful, well-connected adversaries emerged to bring Wick's head on a platter. But talk is cheap now. Guns have the final say. Can Baba Yaga, the grim messiah of death, make every bullet count in this bloody once and for all struggle for freedom? That was written so well. I just want to say the grim messiah of death. Grim messiah of death. You know what? The Baba Yaga. I like that. Yeah, I like that about as much as I like Baba Yaga. That's pretty good. (laughs) All right. So we'll go ahead and jump right into this here. And again, for those of you, if you're a first time listener, we go by our rating system. We have five categories. First category, me in general. I'm going to acting, score, cinematography, and then finally wrap it up with the story. And then at the end, uh, we don't have any listeners' questions for this one, but we're going to try out a new segment here called Deeper Questions. Um, we're going to dive into a little bit of a deeper topic here and the impact that uh, this movie has on some of the outside world and um, how that can affect us as viewers and how we interpret these movies. Uh, but we're going to start off with our ratings, going to general. Melissa, I'll come to you first. Uh, what star did you give um, this film in the general category? Um, generally, I gave this a full star. Um, I, I have to say the John Wick movies never disappoint. Um, I saw this the first few days after it came out in theaters and then um, it's been a while since then. So I decided to rewatch it again in theaters yesterday and, you know, I was fervently taking notes and at some point I just put my phone down and it was completely glued in again. You know, I mean, maybe it's being in a theater, having it on a big screen, or maybe it's just the John Wick movies are genuinely that good. I was, I was hooked. I was so glued to the uh, screen. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, watching a movie that is over two hours, especially over two and a half hours, can be really grueling to sit through but i think that they did a really good job not adding too much exposition or too much plot or too much detail that you couldn't really hold on to or or didn't seem important um and so i definitely appreciate that and the action and fighting scenes like weren't just drawn out for the sake of like blood and gore like they gave them the time that they deserved and not a moment too short or a moment too long um and yeah they were just very well choreographed and everything so yeah again full full star okay and 
for those listeners, if you happen to listen to our last episode on John Wick, John Wick got the first full five-star ratings, I think, for both uh, films one, two, and based on the recaps, it sounds like three as well. Um, so it looks like we're already starting off on that trajectory again. Uh, Quinn, we'll come to you here. What did you give the general? I would give it a full star in the general. This is, uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, I enjoyed chapter three Parabellum, but I think chapter four, I was really impressed at the ways that they, you know, as a franchise, continue to kind of raise the stakes and up the ante and push themselves. I felt like there were, were was a lot more going on in this chapter thematically um, than in some of the other ones, or at least they made that more apparent. And um, while still being really fun and having a lot of great entertainment value, they continue to get really high quality performers in, you know, even just people like as actors, like Bill Skarsgård. And uh, as stunt performers, obviously they have Donnie Yen, which is a huge get for this franchise. They got Eat Man, awesome. which is a huge deal, I think, to me. I don't know. Have, have I don't know that have him and Keanu been in a movie together before? That was very exciting. Um, and I just had a lot of fun. And even though it is like the longest running John Wick, I think, of the four, it didn't feel like it. I felt like it really clipped along and they crammed a lot in there. And uh, yeah, I had a really great time. Awesome, absolutely. And so, already two full stars. Anthony, are you going to give us something different? Absolutely not. Uh, Full star for me. This is the first one that I saw in in theaters, and I am almost sad that I didn't see the other ones in theater because it was such a great experience. Um, For some reason, and I think this is a good thing, this movie felt more like, obviously it's the fourth movie in the series, but it felt very much like a sequel to to the third film. I think in that it's kind of chapter two of John running away and facing the high table. So from that perspective, and it's kind of getting into story a little bit, it didn't feel stale and it felt good. Um, a lot of times when movies continue for too long, they just it feels like it's the same thing, Fast and Furious, um, which this definitely did not feel like. So uh, I really enjoyed watching it. Awesome. Okay, so for first cat general category, we have three full stars from our panel so moving on to acting now quinn we'll come back to you obviously the acting in this was a little less verbal right there was it seems to be a little bit of uh oh physical i mean falling downstairs (laughs) yeah jumping in between cars jumping on cars shooting people uh what did you give the acting of this film I'm so glad you brought that up that there's it seems like each movie there's less and less dialogue and I think that was very very true in this one too like (laughs) it seems every movie they just give Keanu more and more to do physically but less to say like I feel like at least 45% of his lines in this one were just yeah yeah give me a gun I'm hungry (laughs) pass the salt like it's just very John Wick 5 is going to be completely silent. It's just going to be <laughs> but, gunshots for every line. But I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I've been like kind of starting to watch a, a little bit more silent films. And I, I just watched a Buster Keaton film recently and I hadn't really delved into any of those at all. But it felt very reminiscent of that style of filmmaking to me because obviously in the like silent film era, so much of the performance was physical and like it was all coming from vaudeville and everybody was really trained and like really practiced physically and that kind of went out of fashion a little bit but I I do feel like that is pulling on like a very deep tradition of like physical storytelling and I think this movie does take it even further with all the characters and I really like how with each movie you get a little bit more 
like nobody moves the same. No one character moves or fights the same. Everybody has such different styles, such different disciplines that they're bringing and highlighting. That to me is like really the selling point of these films is just the diversity and specificity of the like stunt and martial art performances. And um, I think that is when I think of like the acting and the performance of these films, like that's what I think about first more so than maybe like the traditional acting of like saying lines in a scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that said, I would give it a full star, um, specifically for the, all the physical performances, which are really, really impressive. Um, I, some of the, some of, it was a little bit uneven. Like, I like Bill Skarsgård. I thought that French accent could have used some work. <laughs> I have some thoughts <laughs> about that. That was rough. <laughs> but again, to your point, he did a great, he had the look down, right? Like He totally he had, had the look. He was stylish in there. He was, I don't know, where was he, in Buckingham Palace at one point? Like, I, that's the one thing I love about this film was just the scenes and the settings. Like, every set felt huge, right? So like, where are these buildings? Like, <laughs> yeah. are, are they in a museum? Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. Every movie takes place uh, in, like, several major cities, but there's, like, no normal people. Like, when is, nope. when, when is a bystander going to come out of a Starbucks and be right. like, what's going on, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. They, anyway, they say everything is under the table, so I guess, you know, even the pedestrians, they get it. <laughs> they, li- right. they live underground. <laughs> right. You literally had people, like, being pedestrians and then getting up and immediately fighting John. Everybody's like, an assassin. <laughs> Everybody's a plant. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very fun aspect of the movie, but, like, with each film, I'm like, how long can they really... Like, at what point is somebody just, like, totally random gonna totally have the, like, veil, like, veil lifted? <laughs> right. Right. The one person who's like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. That whole scene with, like, the whole stair scene at the end. I'm like, do people live here? Oh. Like, oh is this God. is this all happening? <laughs> like, they're fighting next to apartments, you know? Right. Like, never any cops. Like, there's, yeah. there's yeah. never any cops. Nobody knows, like, what's going on. You never see, like, in the car scene where they're going around the arc, the triomphe or whatever. And, uh... Is that even the right one? Anyway, yeah. But like, you never yeah, see right. like a zoom in on any passersby's face. Like nobody's like it's nobody's only... just gardening, whatever. Like nobody's screaming. Like what yeah. he had like a what a ten million dollar bounty on his head, and they broadcast it over the radio. You put that out, hey man, I might go ahead and try. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might get lucky. You never know. <laughs> All Here's right. A question: Did uh, I, are there any kids? anywhere in the movie like children i don't think so i don't think so and again we'll get into that in our uh, final section the deeper questions uh, doesn't seem like the right film to have some kids in here oh of course of course yeah. but i just i'm thinking that would be it, wild it, it's kind of a trope in like dystopian films mm-hmm. to not have kids so it's almost like you could argue this is an alternate dystopian future and that's why everyone's just kind of okay with it. But in anyway, which it's... everyone is under the table. The table is actually yeah. like a monarchy. Yeah, everyone follows the rules. It's an international superpower. Right. The kids live underground. It's okay. Yeah. We don't. We don't ever see money that's not a gold coin. That's right. Right. <laughs> no, right. no paper money. Ever. But that's the other thing too. It's like he's flying all around the world. Is he flying private? <laughs> or is he like he's not flying delta Did someone you know try like, to bring the plane down at some point i, I don't see him like, like exactly i don't see him like going to jfk and getting on a flight to fucking <laughs> japan or anything. You know? like, no 
happens again. And if he gets in a plane, does that mean he's above the table at that point? Is it a physical And And are the flight attendants and the TSA workers, are they also assassins? Right, right, right. Can't go anywhere. Are you going to stop his bag and say, sir, you just step over here? <laughs> <laughs> like, sir, it's like you're traveling with a lot of weapons. <laughs> right. Jeez. Jeez. Or, is it, or is it like a continental where, like, no business can be conducted? While you're at the airport. <laughs> In the TSA. <laughs> right, we'll seriously. Fuck you up. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a long way to say that uh, Queen gave acting a full star. So... <laughs> that's what they're here for (laughs) we'll come to you now i'm assuming you're gonna give this what a half star maybe or no full full star for uh all the stunt performance and everything i'm not gonna have much more to add so we'll we'll leave it at that love that melissa anything else you want to add um i'm just gonna say full star um absolutely like we can talk about keanu all the time i mean based on his car stunts are baffling he baffling. did all the driving he did all he and he always does confirmation like that does. that circling around like the four cars where he like sits there and he's just going and just with circles one with one hand shoots with the other circles around them like seven times before finally joining the roundabout again and driving off into the sunset is like how how that it's incredible yeah it's incredible this man um as of right now is 58 years old so let's say that he was 56 at the time and doing all of his own stunt and yeah (laughs) seriously like incredible incredible and then yeah donnie yen who plays kane he's one of hong kong's biggest action stars like really portraying a blind assassin in a way that was believable and yet also surreal right you know like like there's always this comic book feel to the John Wick movies, especially when they're like speaking Russian or any other language that isn't English. Um, and then they put, you know, the emphasis on the subtitles at that moment and like the Baba Yaga and it's like, oh, you know, Shank or whatever. Um, but like it, it also seemed like he was a comic book character, like the this blind assassin where it's like, how, how was he able to, really like lean into what it would be like to be blind and also incredibly lethal and like using his surroundings to like fight i thought it was incredible and i i want to do more research on like what his like process was to being able to like pull that off i was just like blown away close his eyes (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) so i had to guess (laughs) Wear some blackout shades. There you go. <laughs> Seems like a good place. Good place to start. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, closing your eyes, but still there's like, I mean, how do you like know that you're actually not going to hit the person when like as an actor, like I have to pull my punch a little bit because we're acting. I'm not actually hitting this person. I'm not actually like shanking them or whatever. But you like, you know, you have to really lean into all of your other senses and that's just like an incredible feat you know yeah. and, and like the, the head acting as well right. of like not looking directly at people exactly it sells it a lot and like mm-hmm. the eye movement of like it's and maybe some of it is he's wearing color contacts or maybe there's some post stuff going on but he's it's like a very shallow look in his eyes 
mm-hmm. that it, I don't know it, that that sold it for me. Yeah. yeah, and allowed them to be really creative in the sequences where he's fighting, like in the, when they're in the Osaka Continental and he has those like wow. the little dingers. Yeah, yeah, the doorbells <laughs> that go off when people walk by. So fun. <laughs> yeah. If you, I don't know if this is an actual thing, but if you're a fan of, I guess, blind people violence, great <laughs> TV show on Apple TV called C, starring Jason Momoa. Phenomenal TV show, dystopian world, entire planet. I guess all the people with sight go blind, and so he's basically just this like badass blind samurai. If you want to see some people fighting without vision. <laughs> it's a wild concept. They do a great. They do a great job. And and, and Melissa Anthony, you guys are cracking up. I I am being completely serious. Great TV show. Absolutely, go check it out. Very good. I one hundred percent believe you. I was. Just I don't off. know that I've ever heard blind people violence. Violence. Yeah. <laughs> blind people. I don't violent. know if that's even politically correct. Plugging it right here. Go see the TV show C on Apple TV. Out now. They just finished the final season. Go check it out. That's the plug. Apple Not a sponsor. <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> Not a sponsor. But, if but they would like someone to be, could go ahead. be a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. We, Apple TV, we more than welcome it. All right. So we got full stars across the board for the acting and the blind acting. So we're going to move on here to the score. Anthony, I'm going to come right back to you. You are our music guru. Why don't you kick us off with this category? What'd you give it? Yeah, full star. Um, I got to thank Melissa for shooting me. <laughs> it, I mean, it was a Wikipedia article, but still, I got to say thank you. <laughs> not, that, not for the quality of the article, but just like, why didn't I think of going to Wikipedia? So thank you for sending that to me. Um, Tyler not Bates. all of our sources are from Wikipedia, by the way, listeners, please. <laughs> yeah. We do do real research. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, anyone who's gone through college knows Wikipedia is useful. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So Tyler Bates and Joel Richard did the score for this one. Uh, in that article, they were referenced uh, other interviews that they did, and they very much went more punk rocky than hard rock, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, and they also brought in a big like 72-piece orchestra to kind of expand the soundscape while still maintaining the same feel, which I could definitely feel. I, I don't know that I consciously could have told you, like, oh, yeah, there's an orchestra here that there wasn't before. Uh, or that it's bigger than it was before. But it definitely felt kind of in the same way, Alex, you were talking about. Every shot felt very grand. Every scene felt very, you know, huge. The score felt that way as well. You had these, like, huge sweeping moments. Um, But at the same time, it it was very much a hybrid score. You had a lot of different uh, themes going on. I really enjoyed the Western aspect of it, uh, which popped up throughout. And then at the very end, it's like, of course, they're having a duel and you get the classic Western feel. And I was like, yes, I wanted that moment so much. So they, they gave it to me and I was really happy about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just it was it was a continuation of the same feel and, and similar to the rest of the film. It, it just expanded upon what was already established in the previous three movies and just done very, very well. So full star. All right, another full star. Melissa, we'll come to you. Uh, How did you like the score? Yeah, I also gave it a full star. Um, The thing that I liked about that article that I sent to Anthony is they spoke about the fact that as John Wick's world is expanding, the music 
and the score also reflects that. So, you know, like, like there are different genres of music that are introduced based on where he is, which makes sense, obviously, because it's like, oh, you know, you want to have a little bit of like a J- Japanese flair when he's in Osaka and you want to have like that German house when he is like literally in a German club fighting for his life. Um, and, but I just I enjoyed that and I enjoy that it still felt like you did have that base that they were building on, but using different genres to like expand that. Um, and I felt like the score, it, it was never distracting in a way that felt like it didn't fit. I felt like it was always just like adding to the scene, enhancing the scene without becoming distracting. Um, and, but also like being memorable at the same time. So I, yeah, a full star from me. Boom. Full star again. Quinn, are you going to give it in the full star as well? <laughs> well, I feel I feel like I I've, I have to a little bit. I don't have <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> no, but I mean, I agree. I think the score works really well, and and they're they're just continuing to refine all the things that worked in previous films. And uh, something I think that has remained really consistent is I really like the way that they weave in and out of music being like diegetic versus non diegetic. Like when he's in the club in Berlin, and you're hearing the music that the people in the movie are hearing in the club, and that kind of like transitions into the scoring and then back into this club. And I think that kind of works very seamlessly and kind of helps, you know, give you a sense of uh, fluidity. And uh, that's always like very classy, very top notch. And um, yeah, otherwise, I think overall the score is like very good. I would I would also give it a full star. It's it's a good time. And yeah, it doesn't distract from um, the real like high quality of the sound design, which I feel like you really need in a movie with this much martial arts. You really need to like hear the hits and like the people fighting and like that adds so much to the tension and the excitement of the action. So I think it all balances out really nicely. And you got to make sure the music balances so you can hear Keanu's three lines throughout. <laughs> got to make sure. You know what? He might not have right. a lot of different words, but l- listen, all those grunts. There's He's saying a lot <laughs> right? with, with all the grunts. Yeah. <laughs> Part of acting is also reacting. So true. So <laughs> the grunts are, you know, part of that. <laughs> all right. Next, we'll have a whole category grunting. <laughs> Subsection within the acting. How well do you grunt? <laughs> all right so we got full stars <laughs> oh god full stars again for the score moving on here to the cinematography now the cinematography this was probably my favorite part with all of the different places they went to the scenes i mean i i feel bill skarsgård had some of the coolest places you know the, the weakest place he was at was what the horse stables which is like but right. Even then, oh, still, yeah. how many of us own a horse stable? Uh, none of us. So, <laughs> it, it, the sets from this were breathtaking to me. Uh, Melissa, we'll come back to you. What did you give the cinematography? I, you know, gave it a full star shocker. Um, I, I think that there were so many really cool moments where they like they dragged things out just enough that it made you Mm -hmm. slightly uncomfortable and there were two scenes in particular that i'm reminded of and both had to do with bill skarsgård um the first one was when winston meets him right before the continental is destroyed in new york and he sits there and pours his coffee and, and then puts the sugar in and then stirs and then brings it up to his mouth and goes the continental like (laughs) (laughs) 
takes him forever. And Winston is sitting there like, is this dude serious? But like, that was a choice, you know? And they chose to get each and every single one of those shots and it was beautiful. And then the second time was when Winston is walking through like that art gallery and it he looks so little like next to next to like these beautifully huge ornate art pieces and just like walks 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 it takes him five minutes to finally get down to him and it's just like so grand and and that I mean they make it feel so grand because they make you walk with him through like the entire expanse of the room. It was so cool to just kind of have to sit there and like kind of go through those emotions of like what he is feeling as he's like, all right, I gotta go to like walk to this guy and I'm just gonna have to go through it. You know, like you can just imagine that because you were like, it was like you were there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those in particular, I, I ate it up. I ate that shit up. Uh, but then the, the last one I wanted to talk about was the scene where Keanu... Um, John Wick is like running away and trying to get um, to the church. I gotta get him to the church on time. Um, and he runs into this building and then he's like fighting all of these assassins that come into the building. And as he's coming up the stairs, the camera angle goes from like, you know, a, a front facing view to an aerial view. And yes. you're just floating around like watching everybody like hit their marks perfectly and fight all these scenes and you're seeing like you're seeing both people on each side of the wall at the same time i mean i'm sure that it's been done before but i personally have never seen a scene shot like that before and it was so cool to like have that happen and then have the camera come back down inside switch angles really quick and then swoop back up so that you could continue seeing the scene and and all the fights and all the people from an aerial view i thought that was such a an incredible choice um and i i love that it just like that um just brought out a lot of like awe in me yeah no and i wanted to say i tried to look it up really quick here but i couldn't find i believe that shot and that scene that sequence was actually based off of a video game. And so if you're an avid game player, there are a lot of games where you have that kind of perspective, where you're moving from room to room with that view. And so that was kind of what he had in mind. And yeah, and also to, you know, big shout out to, you know, the crew and the set for helping set this up. That has to be a huge set. I mean, the amount of rooms that he went to through, uh, they're definitely in a large warehouse, if not, you know, airplane hangar, something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they had to have been in an absolutely massive space. And yeah, mm-hmm. they did a masterful job here. Um, so I also I- wonder, like, do we think that they they had everything perfectly timed and like the camera was set to move in a certain pattern and everybody had to hit specific marks? Or do you think that they were just going through the scene and there was a cameraman, ca- cameraman, who was following the scene as it happened in real time. I don't, I mean, I don't know the answer, but I, I'm curious. I would uh, imagine real time though, right? Yeah, I think there's, I, I can also see a world where they did, where they would do it in pieces. Cause sometimes it's, it, it, it's easy to like make it look like everything's one shot, but you can kind of cut things and, you know, hide cuts as you're like going between a wall or like kind of mm. in motion and stuff. So maybe they did it in pieces. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like they do so much that's like up close and that like feels kind of handheld, even if it's not. Um, and so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But we'll have to <laughs> go to Wikipedia for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
It's the people's. It's the people's source. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia gives you just enough information to be like, oh, I don't know more about that, and then you know what else to look up. That's yes. not on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a starting point. It's never the end. It's never the end. It's never the end. It's never your primary source. We are now sponsored by Wikipedia. (laughs) All right. So that'll be another full star from Melissa for cinematography. Quinn, we'll come back to you here. Uh, What did you give the cinematography? Yeah, full star for sure. Um, I I was, I'm always really impressed with the camera work and the cinematography. And it really does feel like choreography to me. And I think that really comes from, uh, you know, working with a director and like a and, a and a production team that really comes from stunts. I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but Chad Stileski, the director, was Keanu Reeves' stunt double on the Matrix series. I don't know if we mentioned that, but... Oh, I don't think we did. Okay, isn't that a fun well, fact? Wow. Did you find that out on Wikipedia? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think my boyfriend told me that. I can't exactly remember. But yeah, Chad Stileski was his was his stunt double on the Matrix movies. And so, like, they've known each other for a long time, worked together for a long time, but he's also, like, is a stunt performer and really mm. understands how to showcase that. And so I think, you know, they obviously pick people who are really interested and invested in, like, showing that off and in, like, using the camera to really give these artists a really unique platform. And um, I thought that that also, like, in all the movies really comes through. And um, I love that they take risks and work in, like, big practical sets, like, outdoors in New York or in Paris or wherever. And also, like, build all these crazy unique sets to do these extensive um, sequences. And I also thought there was, like, a lot in this movie about, like, sunrises and, like, new beginnings, I think, like, thematically, or, like, new chapters or, like, things changing or, like, a fresh start. And so I thought that that really came through in the lighting as well and the light that Mm. they were able to get with the cinema, especially in that last duel sequence when it's, like, Uh you know, dawn, the break of dawn in Paris. I was like, okay, I see it. I see you. Mm -hmm. Majestic. Love it. Good job. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, another full star for cinematography. Anthony, are you gonna break the trend here? I'm not one to break trends. Uh, <laughs> full Love star. Stay, stay with what you know. Yeah, stay with what I know. Uh, full star for sure. To go back to, because the, the one thing I was going to talk about was that top-down scene, because I absolutely loved that. I was going to say it immediately reminded me of top-down video games. Uh, specifically mm. to me, what it reminded me of is anytime you have a, a co-op game that's top-down, because it looked like you could see, I don't, I don't know, it felt like that scene showed that John, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name, I think Mr. Nobody, that they're mm-hmm. working together even though they're not like really working together. But like in that moment, they were a team. Uh, yeah. And it was illustrated by how they were moving around. And even though they were kind of shooting at each other, they were still defending each other against the other people. Um, I'm As to the question of whether that was a single shot or not, I could see it both ways. I think whether they did it in one take or they hid cuts, I think they had the camera going through specific movements. Like maybe it was it was on a fixed path or it was a giant camera robot, um, you know, swing arm or something that, that was going. Um, because it, yeah, it seemed like everything was very smooth and precise. Mm-hmm. And in order to make cuts like that, you'd have to have the same movements over and over again. And I mean, just the fact that they were shooting people through walls and you saw the walls like explode and all the incendiary bullets like it got so ridiculous you had fire spewing everywhere and it was incredible uh and like to be able to pull that off however they did it i don't know i was i was 
impressed. Absolutely. And so just looking at this here is a quick article um, from the director. Uh, he said, once we started shooting, it was 100 days of just continuous action, which only 100 days seems like they did That's crazy. for years. Uh, he said, we were doing the Osaka sequence while prepping the top shot in France and also trying to find time to get Keanu driving. And from the Osaka sequence, we went straight into the Berlin nightclub and then Jordan on top of that. So it all just became a giant constant action sequence. And that is a great way to describe this film. One yeah. giant yeah. constant action sequence with some grunts here and there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that will round us out for our cinematography once again full stars across the board guys let's wrap it up here final category the story and look before you guys go I'll be honest was not a fan of the story I felt like got a little dry here they didn't really build to anything while they tied it off nice great ending love it you know, I'm very much looking forward to the upcoming spinoff. So, you know, in 2023, we got the TV show, The Continental. And then we also got a ballerina in 2024. Very much looking forward to that. Love the John Wick universe. This story felt a little stale to me. Uh, Quinn, we'll come to you. What did you give the story? Um, To me, I felt like the story was stronger than the third one, at least for me. I felt like, you know, obviously this whole franchise is called John Wick. So I felt like, at least from the perspective of his character, there was... A little bit more to go on i would agree that like some of the supporting characters and some of those subplots felt like a little bit half-baked like all the performances were pretty good and obviously we have like rena sawayama and some of the other like actors and um um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the actor who played you know mr nobody the tracker i googled it shamir anderson like he was really great but like who is he we don't know (laughs) (laughs) um some of that stuff kind of felt just a little like thrown in um, but in terms of, uh, you know, John Wick's arc, I think this was like a good, I thought, I thought this was like stronger for me. It, w- it wasn't just him running away. It was him like kind of making more active choices and fighting for a reason, not just like fighting for the sake of it. And, um, I think it, it I thought I did, I do think they brought it back nicely to the fact that this is some about somebody who's still like grieving a lot and has like a lot of unresolved anger and like pain from that loss um which brings me to really my favorite detail about the franchise which is that all four movies even though they've taken place over the course of a decade in the world of the films only like a couple weeks have gone by or something like maybe even (laughs) (laughs) if that is so funny to me (laughs) it's like it's, it's it's easy to forget that like his wife died like very recently and like this is all kind of like still very fresh and so I thought from that perspective they did a nice job of kind of tying it all back into that and like reminding you that this is ultimately even though you know you could make the argument that this is a story about somebody who like causes a lot of pain it's also a story about somebody who is in a lot of pain and um you know for that reason I would give it a full star but like I totally hear your 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 critiques about it being um, just a little, <laughs> some of the details. Listen, we're not here for the dialogue. We're not here for <laughs> like top tier, the best screenwriting. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> but yeah, I would still give it a full star just for, um, I thought it, it brought in some elements that I thought the third one and maybe even the second one lacked a little bit. Okay. All right. So for the final wrap up, Quinn will give John Wick four a full star. 
or full full five stars, it should Correct. say, for all the categories. Um, Melissa will come to you for this final category of the story. What did you give it? Yeah, I'm going to be doing the same thing, giving story a full star. Um, I also agree, like, based on the story, it you know, it wasn't the strongest out of all four movies. Definitely stronger than the third. I enjoyed the story so much more. Um, I do feel like they kind of... I mean, John John Wick's story, obviously, is like coming to a close. And I think that they did a good job kind of portraying that that's the direction they were going in. Um, you know, kind of from the beginning, and you mostly see it, or I, I kind of started to see it in the Osaka scene, where this is the first time that it really, really seems like John Wick is tired. And like, he he's run down and he is losing... Uh, you know, a little bit of that, like, unresolved anger. Like, there was a fire inside him at the beginning where he was just, like, kill, kill, revenge, revenge. And now he's just been doing it for so long. Even though, yeah, it's only supposed to have taken place over, you know, a few weeks of time. Um, I feel like they, you know, did a good job reminding us, like, this This is a seasoned and yet also older assassin who again like has nothing to live for nothing to die for and nothing to kill for um and so like like that like motivation to keep going is is slowly faltering um and i think that they like in the story the way that they wrote it um they finally gave us a chance to see john wick um have a little remorse you know um and I did enjoy that when it comes to like character development. Um, I think we finally saw a little bit more of that in this movie where, you know, I, I didn't really see any remorse from John Wick in any of the other movies because he's really about himself. But once he, once he has people near and dear to him who are dying and, you know, he has to make a choice between like the revenge that he wants on the high table versus his friend Kane. And he's had a few friends who have already died because of his vengeful spirit. Now he has to really come to terms with like, why am I doing this? Is this purely selfish and at what cost? Um, and I think they gave us just enough of Kane's story to uh, have us really empathize with his motives and desires as well. So yeah, while, while you know, we're not here for the story, I think that they did give us enough um, to, you know, keep us entertained and, um, and you know in the movie well, yeah especially with that cutscene at the end i know i am definitely wondering is kane still alive um you know i doubt he saw it coming <laughs> yeah good one <laughs> oh all right <laughs> anthony we will come to you to wrap it up for us quinn gave it five stars melissa gave it five stars anthony are you gonna give it four or four and a half no, we're go we're going full five. Five um, stars all around. Okay. Not saying anything new by saying that it was better than the third movie, but yeah, still, you know, not as good as maybe the first or the second, uh, as far as the story goes. It felt like it was at times a little too big. Like every every new John Wick movie, they always added you know one or two extra elements to the world building. You know, you add the marker, you add the high table, you add, you know, whatever it was. And with this one, it seemed like they added a lot. And, and maybe that was just me, but it's like you have 
uh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but the the main antagonist, like his his position, where the he's marquee. kind of the yeah, marquee. the marquee, the fact that his position exists as you know an extension of the table to act out you know to enact justice. Mm. Um, mm. Because we, we had gotten some of those smaller folks before, and I'm forgetting their positions, of course. The adjudicators. Um, thank you. Yeah, man, I got to do my research more. Um, Sorry, I just like, read we it saw the, on Wikipedia. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, oh, saw, we saw the adjudicators before, and I kind of thought that was the extent of, you know, how, how the high table enacts, uh, you know, their their law. But then you have now the Marquis, who's almost this outside force, but still under the table and following in its rules. And at the same time, you're also meeting Kane, and you're meeting uh, all the people in Osaka. And now we have Mister Nobody as well. And the Harbinger, you kind of see his story, and you're still hanging out with Winston. And and it was it was kind of a lot at times. And I think in some ways that helped because it allowed those other characters to interact with one another to kind of keep the story interesting. But it was, I don't know. I think spending more time with that kept it from maybe feeling more grounded um but again it's an action movie that's what we're here for so i wasn't i wasn't sad uh by any means so full star all right well there you have it five full stars across the board and i know we didn't get a chance to get to mine and for the sake of time and keeping this um tight um i'll just give you a quick quick recap of my stars I think I ended up giving this a three and a half stars, and I'm going to try to be more critical with my film uh, ratings going forward. In general, was I entertained? Yes, absolutely. Full star for that. Uh, no questions there. Acting. I think I gave that a half star. I thought it was purely physical. While the physical part of it was great, and I gave them a lot of credit, there was no dialogue there. And while there was a few good standouts, I was left wanting more. Score? Half star, I guess. I... It did its job, was not blown away. Cinematography gets a full star, absolutely. The sets, scenes, the way they shot it, lighting, phenomenal. Story, no star. So I think, what does that come no up to? Three? Star. Three? Comes up to three. No star. No star for the story. So the high table's coming for you now. Well, bring it on. I got Wikipedia on my side. <laughs> the reason I gave the story no star is it felt like they bailed him out. And that over the course of these films, there was always a way out, always another way out. After, even though after every film, they said, there's no way out. They kept giving him mm. excuses rather than coming up with a more creative way uh, to have him kind of earn his freedom and gain his peace. Um, mm. And again, kind of bringing in characters from all around the world, not really explaining the marquee beforehand. He seems like a guy who would have stepped in well before this point to bring him in now. it They stretched it out to make another movie. And hey, I'm not going to blame them. They made some money off this. So kudos to them. But the story to me wasn't terribly complex. And um, I was left wanting more. So that is a quick recap for my uh, ratings of the film. Wow. You just let us give full stars across the board and didn't say nothing until the end. Absolutely. <laughs> Got to keep it tight on time here um, <laughs> we still have our deeper questions section to go through here so uh, normally for this part of the podcast we have listeners questions um didn't receive any for this episode so we're going to try something new here um 
So for this, we're going to talk about, you know, something a little bit uh, on a deeper scale, hence the name, Deeper Questions. So movies like John Wick are filled with violence and prominent use of guns in public spaces. While this is wildly entertaining for the viewer and no doubt a fun movie to make and act in, does this wild portrayal of violence have a deeper impact on us and society as a whole and the possible influence that it has on gun violence in America? While the rating of R is supposed to set a boundary for only those who are mature enough to handle the content, is that enough? Should movies like this be allowed to be viewed and made? Would banning movies like this take away people's creative rights? What is the larger societal impact of this film? And so uh, I'll open it up to you guys. Anyone, please feel free to chime in here. Um, You know, what do do we think? I'll, I'll share my initial thoughts here, get us going and I feel like films that the initial thought I had coming out of this was, wow, that was a great, great film. And then, you know, I immediately opened up my phone and saw that, you know, there was, you know, a shooting somewhere in Florida or a shooting in Texas. And I, I had to wonder, you know, to what extent does this have an effect on that? And, you know, to make an analogy here. And again, Anthony, I know me and you, we love Star Wars and we love the Mandalorian and they kind of talk about how weapons is a part of their religion you could almost say that weapons is a part of america's culture and that's 100 a little bit of a sad notion to say but yeah i I, we've been dealing with this since we've all been alive constant gun violence in america and that you know films like this just further show you know we literally spend money to go watch the portrayal of someone mass killing other people and then we come out and we wonder why there are mass shootings and again there's obviously you know the political side of it and should guns be allowed you know different amendments and things like that Uh, we don't have to go into that but you know at some point you know we kind of have to stop being shocked with what is happening when films like this are so successful and i understand there's an entertainment aspect of this i understand that this is not meant to be something that, you know, they want people to go out and emulate and, you know, try to recreate. We get that. I am mature enough to understand that. At the same time, it is something we enjoy and we spend money to go see. And so, and people spend money to build and people get paid to act this out. And so um, there's a lot of incentive and a lot of larger culture that supports movies like this and in a lot of ways supports the actions um that it can potentially contribute to so i'll open up to the rest of you guys Uh, what do you guys think about movies like john wick and and films that are heavy on violence and 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 gun violence just in the open right i mean it wasn't like okay you know they were off in a war zone where you know that's contained there's very much guns in the open in public major cities they literally blew up a building in new york i mean we know the significance of destroying a building in New York and what that does like what are you guys' thoughts oof uh, and a hush falls over the crowd <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think the reason there's a hush and probably a lot of our listeners have a hush as well at least within their own heads is because I think we know that there's something we have to reckon with with that question you know, it's not an it's not an easy answer. It's an uncomfortable answer, and I think, or it's an uncomfortable question. And I think the uncomfortable questions are the ones most worth answering and discussing. Mm. Um, 
yeah you know setting the entertainment aspect aside it's america is very unique in its relationship to guns uh amongst countries in the world and so it's not surprising that this movie comes out of america um i talked before about kind of how this kind of seems like it's set in a dystopian world which kind of you know it's not highlighted as such but it kind of if you look at it through that lens some of the violence makes sense um but it's also you know a lot of the dystopian movies that are made and just the idea of it is kind of a projection of our own worst fears about what sort of society we're turning into um you know we did an episode on dread uh and you know that talks about the you know rising police violence and if you have a police state and kind of what that would be like to live in that um and how law and order works there um I don't know. I guess I'm. This is just musings. It's not really an answer. I, I think. No, no, no. You're good, man. Yeah, just yeah. Share your thoughts, man. Yeah, I think uh, it would be interesting if, when we had movies like this, given you know America and, and how our country is, that there is some dialogue around that, maybe in interviews or something. Just I don't know. Just it's like to make something like this and not say anything. Not that it's irresponsible, but it's like we should recognize the significance of you know yeah blowing up a building in new york or just having open gun violence you know with with the state of of how things are um not well, that not that this. i'm upset I, at all i can tell you this having been working in the industry there is not one personal publicist or not one um studio publicist that would allow for any of question like that to be asked and, right some of the interviews on this so mm. it maybe that's part of the problem right maybe we should be putting the directors and actors actresses on the spot there and be like do, are you okay do you understand that you making this film what you're putting out there and again like you said that's a deeper question that is absolutely uncomfortable for people to answer and i'm sure if we sat down with counter reason asked him that he'd be like uh you might stumble for a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. But. yeah. And, I, and I think it's discourse tends to get very, for lack of a better term, violent, uh, or maybe it's an apt word that discourse can get very violent around these sorts of topics. And I think that's the reason why we don't engage with it is because we don't just have discussions about it, right? We can't mm. talk about it, disagree, and then move on. At the end of the day, it turns into you know, you are my worst enemy and I have to curse you into the ground, you know, when you, when we disagree on how long my hair is, right? That's like, that's what it feels like sometimes. So I think I understand why those sorts of questions are not uh, allowed to be asked. Um, Yeah, but I mean, but it's, it's one worth asking. Um, Yeah, I don't, yeah. That's fair. I think um, it's complicated. I I don't think that movies like John Wick don't influence American culture and gun, you know, violence. Um, but unfortunately, I think there are, are a lot of a lot of movies um, and genres out there that can influence things that are not great. You know, we can talk about a Fast and the Furious can like influence people speeding. And does that increase the amount of accidents that are happening on the road? Um, You know, what about the hangover? Does that, you know, um, encourage and increase, you know, the amount of debauchery that people are, you know, involved with and drug use and and 
the answer to all of these things is yes, it does. Because a movie is, um, it's a fantasy, you know, it's, it's not everything obviously is based on reality, um, or, or something that has actually happened. Um, and it creates a fantasy in which you are able to do all of these things and also come out okay. You know, the, um, the perspective of the John Wick movies is, it's not the perspective of the people that he killed. Right. It's from his perspective or their families or, you know, or the people who are the innocent bystanders. Um, it's the perspective of John Wick, the survivor and everybody in the world, you know, for the most part is at the center of their own lives. Everybody's their own main character and everybody sees themselves as the main character and the main characters rarely have consequences in the way that John Wick did. Um, and they rarely die. Um, and so I think that that's what makes it complicated because, you know, there are many of us who recognize that this is not reality, that it is um, a fantasy and what, you know, gun violence really means. Like, the, these are not things, these are things that we can, you know, enjoy watching for the mere fact that it's it's like a comic book and it's, and it's fake and, you know, we can enjoy it the way that we enjoy, you know, uh, video games. Um but there are also many people who take that too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tough as an artist to, you know, want to be able to create something that's fun and want to be able to, like, play in that realm and also grapple with the fact that, you know, there is a potential that I, I could be influencing somebody who has bad intentions or who wants to try to make this become a reality. But you also can't control that. Um and that's, it's just, it's complicated. I, I don't think that the answer is yes or no. You know, it's, um, yeah. It's complicated. It's just complicated, yeah. Quinn, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, I think it's a worthwhile question. Um, I think ultimately kind of where I come down on it is sort of two-pronged. One, I think our culture and like our shared cultural reality like obviously these like movies and media like it's a byproduct of our culture it's a part of our culture and it also influences us and as much as we influence it um so you know it's it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing like do we think that there's violence in america because of our culture or is all of this or is our culture so violent because of who we are as a country like or you know our history and like it's all tangled up together it's kind of impossible to separate the two but you know, certainly John Wick didn't create this problem. It's a reflection of it. And it's a reflection of a reality that exists. And that's real. Um, how much it contributes to the problem continuing, I guess, is sort of up for an individual to decide. Um, I think it's important to ask that question. Some people have different feelings about it. People have different sensitivities to it. It's all valid. It's all good. And I don't think in the context of like, debate or in sharing those feelings i think anybody's response should be listened to and be heard and you know if it's if it's too much for you i know plenty of people who are kind of sensitive to you know higher levels of violence in movies or even just from a sensory perspective you know movies that are too loud or whatever like it it, you know it affects people differently and you know we are all entitled to make our own decisions about that i think the r rating is appropriate um i don't think little kids need to be (laughs) watching john wick it's fine um and they can watch it when they're older or whatever 
Um, but ultimately, I think for me as a viewer, I don't find the violence in John Wick as disturbing as maybe I did in something like Game of Thrones because it's so stylized. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so clearly more in the camp of like choreography than mm. reality to me that it feels more like watching. It, I, like, they're not for a second. Am I like, ooh, that looks like it hurt. Like th- that's never a thought that goes through my mind. You know, I'm always like, well, that looks really like it must have been hard to execute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like watching Olympic athletes. You're not, you know, it's like it's a just kind of a little bit of a different headspace for mm-hmm. at least for me. Um, right. So I don't feel like I'm watching a certain kind of violence get glorified, or it doesn't feel super real or visceral. There's actually not that much blood in the John Wick movies. There's not that much gore like you have in mm-hmm. horror movies or you know, like initial like Game of Thrones, which made the violence feel like really, really visceral and like honestly a little right. bit too intense for me. So. But, you know, that really comes down to personal preference, I think. Um, And specifically in regards to, like, the gun violence question, yeah, it's tough. Like, that's that's not an easy thing, an easy needle to thread. And I don't think the franchise for Hollywood at large is really interested in engaging with that issue substantively because it's Hollywood. Like, that's not surprising Mm. to me. Um, And I don't think they probably ever will because they're not really incentivized to. And so it's really Mm. just a matter of, like, how we as the audience, which are, like, we are all the, like, whole Hollywood industry, like, we are their boss as much as they are our boss, right? Like, they get to control what we see and how we see it, but we get to decide whether or not we watch it, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. our power as a viewer. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just really up to the individual. It's an important question. It's complex. It's different for different people. Um, but yeah, ultimately for me, like the John Wick and the violence in movies and all of that is like a reflection of American culture as much as it's a part of it. And, um, I think for me that allows me to kind of separate it from reality a little bit and just kind of enjoy it for the artistry of it. And that's sort of how I approach it, but it's different for everybody. Yeah, no, and I think that's, that's a very mature way to look at it in that, yeah, you, you do a great job of seeing it for itself and as an art form, right? And the the product that they're putting out there. And look, I think that's one of the questions I put on here was, you know, should movies like this be allowed to be uh, made, right? And look, I think absolutely. Like, I don't think you should, you know, completely limit people's creative freedom because at the end of the day, you know, all of us on this call, we all appreciate and understand it for the movie that it is and how they did it, how they made that shot, how they made the explosions, you know, the graphics of, you know, yes, the guy's getting shot, and but the bullet going through his head, and right, and how they're timing it up with the gunshots and the way they're moving, right, and all that. We see that art form and the mastery in it, and that, that in itself is an achievement and is impressive. The message it sends across maybe isn't great, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, we're all none of us here are you know gonna go hop in a you know mustang driving around trying to shoot people like we <laughs> we are mature enough to understand that um and again for those of you if you're listening we're just posing the question here we don't have the answers we're not <laughs> saying that you know this is canceled this is horrible <laughs> like no we're not saying that i gave it's it five just, stars man <laughs> right, we said, hey, they said i gave it five stars right like it's we enjoy this and we appreciate it as an art form. Um, it's merely get you guys to think a little bit about, you know, some of the things that we digest. And hell, you can throw the Marvel movies into this, right? And Absolutely. They have violence in that. I mean, the whole first Avengers, how many people died in that New York thing, right? And 
while that's you know it's aliens that kind of adds another layer of you know okay that's clearly not real but you know there are elements in you know winter soldier he was a real guy are you saying aliens aren't real (laughs) just kidding we're not oh god here we go see now we started we'll have to that'll be our next deeper questions are aliens real (laughs) perhaps we should uh, do one do a review on the movie aliens um, but Anthony, it sounded like you were going to say something before I jumped in there. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, just kind of the questions always asked uh, with video games, right? That do mm-hmm. video yep. games promote violence. Call of Duty is one of the best selling uh, video games every time it comes out. Uh, you know, tons of people play it, children play it, right? As much as it's it's rated M, you have thirteen year olds, you have eight year olds playing that game. That that's how it is. Grand Theft yes. Auto Five. Like best, best, it's high, highest grossing piece of media ever. Still making money to this day. Grand Theft Auto Five video game, and that one adds, you know, that kind of almost a sexual level too, where that's yeah, you know, the whole and the portrayal of women in that, like it's right. That's a whole nother section that's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. I mean, and that that is, you could talk about that in the Marvel movies, right? That like that is yep. a trope that is still going on, and and that doesn't get talked about. I'd say as much as it should. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just that that question always comes up and to what everyone has said. There's a level of artistic expression in that, but there's also a level of personal accountability for is that something mm. that you are okay engaging in? And that's different for everybody. Uh, and even, you know, is that a, a level of, of something that you're willing to create if you're the creator, right? Like, like depending on what you bring and what headspace you're in, Maybe you need to check yourself and say, I shouldn't go create that thing because of X, Y, Z. And, and it, it feels, it can feel bad to say it all rests on the individual when there are these other, you know, structural historical uh, effects that, that are real. Um, but that's at least where it starts, right? Where we all make up the things that we have made uh, and each, mm-hmm. each organization, each structure, each country is made up of the people and the choices that they've made so it, it starts with the individuals um nice the last thing i'll say is hug your friends check in on everybody make sure make sure they're doing okay uh we're not talking necessarily directly about mental health but mental health is important uh especially coming out of the pandemic i think everyone kind of understands uh you know how much we need each other so call your parents uh hopefully you have a good relationship with them but reach out to, to the people who love you tell them that you love them I mean, I thought you said that because, you know, John Wick's coming for us or something. Because like, <laughs> you never know when the Baba like, Yaga yeah. <laughs> Call your parents, but also call your siblings. Yeah, that, that's the other that's the other universe. <laughs> and make sure that none of them have become involved in some very elaborate um, underground crime ring of elite assassins. Sure. Just to make yeah. sure. You see them flashing gold coins everywhere they go to pay. I mean, like that looks like know. a Spanish doubloon. Are you okay? <laughs> right. Hot, hot take: the, the the gold in John Wick is the treasure from, from Pirates uh, of the Pirates Caribbean. Caribbean. That is a hot take. <laughs> that is a very hot take. Yeah, that's it's the same universe. Kira Knightley comes into maybe. John Wick Five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, the undead Kira Knightley alive for hundreds of years. <laughs> Love it. Will Turner comes back. Yeah. Will Turner. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anyone else want to add anything before we go ahead and wrap up here today? Oh, I think we covered right. it. 
Awesome. Well, this was a great episode. Quinn, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast? Of course, we are all fans here. We support Wikimedia. We support Wikimedia. Blind Violence. And we also support each other's podcast. So, Quinn, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your plug here? Heck yeah. Um, my podcast is called Your Next Obsession. I host it with my good, good friend, my my best gal pal, uh, Renee, and uh, usually the structure of the episodes is that we talk about our niche obsessions or we have a guest talk about their niche obsessions as a way to sort of like get to know each other better and get to know other people and sort of like kind of get to the root of what makes everybody tick. And it's a really great endearing place to sort of have a conversation about something. And our forthcoming season, which is going to be going live hopefully any day now or like within the next couple weeks, fingers crossed, is this might, I mean, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but I think it's okay. It's a Keanu themed season so all of our forthcoming episodes are going to be about a different Keanu Keanu film there are some John Wick app there's a John Wick app forthcoming and uh, some other really great ones too so stay tuned for that and it's available anywhere you can find a podcast I'm about to say, if you do the John Wick episode, you have to try to limit it to 10 words or less. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be longer than that. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Tell it through grunting and serious looks. (laughs) We're going to take it on the road. We're going to start doing a mime piece inspired by John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go visit a dog shelter. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. We love it. We love it. All right. Well, that will do it. For today's episode of the Ccast, thank you all for listening in. If you have questions, go find us on Twitter at the Ccast Podcast or hit us up on email at the Ccast Podcast at gmail.com. Potentially on the horizon, we're still working out to see if we want to do it or not. The potential TikTok for Ccast coming your way. You won't get our full episodes there, but you might be able to get a chance to get some little quick um snippets our first initial reactions you can also see our faces um maybe a little bit of less of mine because you don't want to see that but <laughs> tiktok potentially coming soon here go ahead check it out thanks for listening